Good morning. Thank you so much for being here today. I heard many uh, had to park beyond the construction, and uh, just in case you're wondering, it's muddy that way. Some people with muddy, muddy shoes coming in, but that's all right. Got to get here as best as you can, and uh, our renovations are going pretty well here. You can see starting to get there, and that's exciting. But if you would please this morning, would you take your Bibles and turn to John, chapter eleven? John chapter eleven. John chapter eleven. I have a question to ask you all this morning. Okay, so you're turning there, but I want you all to just kind of. Tune in right now and uh, at least answer this question, then you can go back to sleep, okay? Um, I want you to think about this, and I'm really curious to see how you're going to answer this, okay? So I want everybody in the room to raise your hand if you are a person that has expectations. Raise your hand if you have expectations, okay? Should be just about everybody. All of us have expectations in one way or another. We all have expectations. I have a ton of them. I'm going to be a little bit maybe too transparent with you today, but um, I have an expectation of what I'm going to do tomorrow on my day off. I do. My day off, my expectation of what my day off would hopefully look like was to, would be to sleep in. Sleep in and then do absolutely nothing. Have my wife bring me breakfast in bed. <laughs> Have my wife bring me then lunch. Have my wife bring me dinner. All these expectations. I can almost guarantee you that my expectations of what I'm supposed to do tomorrow on my day off are different than my wife's expectations of what I'm supposed to do. She has this thing called a honey-do list. Anybody else have one of those? I hate those things, and there's constantly something to do around my house. There's so many things that I have to get accomplished, but those are expectations. I have an expectation of how my wife is going to react when she sees that I, her loving, adorable, wonderful, amazing husband, has done the dishes. I have an expectation. My expectation is often wrong because she just goes, hey, thanks for doing the dishes, and that's the end of it. I want her to jump up and down and go, wow, you are so amazing. I have an expectation. I have an expectation in coaching baseball. Um, I uh, had the opportunity to coach uh, baseball this year, and this last game, of course, I, I coach 8 to 10-year-olds, and so you're not supposed to try to win. You're just supposed to make sure everybody plays, right? So we've won one game the entire season, and there's only two teams in the league, If you're smart, you can figure that out. So this last uh, Thursday, I thought, I'm done. I, I, I'll, everybody's going to play because that's the rules. They have to play. However, I'm going to put my three best batters at the top of the order. So I have an expectation, right, going into this. Guess what happened to my three best batters? All three of them struck out. I'm like, ugh. My expectation was that they would get some hits and get us going and give us a charge, but that did not happen. You might have an expectation as a Leafs fan. Actually, let's stop that. that. That's insanity is what that is. Nobody should ever have an expectation for the Leafs. Um, the reality is we all have expectations, right? We all have expectations as to what we want to accomplish in life, as to what we want to do tomorrow, as to what we want to do today. All kinds of different expectations. We have expectations on our coworkers. 
We have expectations on our boss. We have expectations on our spouse. We have expectations on our friends. We have expectations on our church. We have expectations on our pastor. We have expectations on our government officials. We have expectations what our food will taste like. We have expectations of what traffic's going to be like. We have expectations of time. We have expectations upon expectations upon expectations. Somebody should count how many times I've said expectations so far. But expectations are kind of an interesting thing. They're kind of an interesting thing. So if you're in the habit of writing things down, I would ask you to write this down. Expectations carry a measure of faith. Okay? Expectations carry a measure of faith. So for instance, there are many crazy people that have faith in the maple leaves. Right? I'm not sure why they've let you down year after year after year. And you can say that a lot of times, right? But why you have a, a certain amount of faith that they are going to do well. It could be your favorite team, whatever it is. When we're going to the, the uh, baseball game here at the end of August, man, we have an expectation of faith that the, the Blue Jays are going to win the game while we're there. Right? We have a faith that they're going to do that. Ladies, you have faith in your husband that he will notice your new haircut. You have faith. There's an expectation, right? How many times have you been let down by that? You have faith that the guy driving on the other side of the road is not going to cross the yellow line. Okay, so expectations carry a certain amount, a measure of faith. We see we all have expectations, but spiritually speaking, every one of us has an expectation of God. All of us have expectations of what God will do. Some may or may not be biblically based, but nonetheless, we all have expectations of God. We all expect God to answer our prayers, right? If we didn't, why are we praying? Okay, so we have an expectation that God will answer our prayers. We have expectations that God will show us what to do. And any who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. We want him to give us and show us what to do. We even expect God to do the impossible. God, we want you to fulfill this prayer request. We're praying, we're praying, we're praying. Please do the impossible. We expect God to heal our family members. We expect God to provide for us. We expect God to grant us peace. We expect God to give us unspeakable joy and full of glory. We expect these things from God. We expect certain things from God. But let me ask this question. What if our expectations became limitations? Okay, let me... Let me get you to think about this, all right? This is kind of a transition point in the service, okay? We all have expectations, and we all have expectations on God, but what if our expectations became limitations? What if all we could think about was the expectation, and we limited ourselves to this? Because so often we can get so entrenched with how we think it ought to go, Right? How, how we think it should go. God, this is the way that I think you should answer my prayer. We get so entrenched in that that we never even consider the possibility that God could be doing something greater than we could ever ask or think. We get so entrenched with God, you have to do it this way that we never imagine a place where God could do something greater than we could ever imagine. What if God is not meeting our expectations? 
What if, what if God is not meeting our expectations for the purpose of expanding our faith? I want you just to think about that. What if God is not answering our expectations or meeting our expectations for the sole purpose of saying, hey, wait a second, I want to expand your faith today. Let's take a look at our story today and hopefully I'll illustrate this with you. I want you, if you will, uh, John chapter 11, we'll be reading verses 1 to 6. You don't necessarily have to answer out loud, but I want you to look for the first area of faith that the sisters show in this story. The first area of faith that the sisters show in these first six verses. Look at John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 2, and it, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So just laying the story out, brother Lazarus is sick. Verse 3, therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Did you find their first display of faith? Their first display of faith is found in verse 3. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, whom thou lovest is sick. They were sending Jesus a message. Why do you think they were sending him a message? They wanted Jesus to come and heal him. Okay, so their first act of faith, their first step of faith was simply to reach out to Jesus Christ and call upon him to come and send, and, and, excuse me, and heal their brother Lazarus. But I also want you to notice what Jesus says in verse 4. When Jesus heard that, notice what he says. He said, this sickness is not unto death. But notice what it's for. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. This again is going to be used for the glory of God. A couple of weeks ago in John chapter 9, we looked at the, the blind man. Why was he born blind? This is for the glory of God. Listen, this is the same idea. Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is nigh unto death, but he is this way for the glory of God. By the way, we see here the problem that these ladies have. They're bringing it to Jesus. The problem that these ladies have, they're bringing it to Jesus. And so, understand this this morning, there is no better place to take your problems than to Jesus Christ. Let me say that one more time. There is no better place to take your problems but to Jesus Christ. In 1885, Joseph Scriven wrote a poem to his mother, and it reads this, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because 
we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So I want you to understand this morning, the best place that you can send your problems, the best place you can go with your problems is to Jesus Christ. Go to him in prayer. The blessed, best take, wow, the best place to take your problems is to Jesus. So we started this sermon off with expectations. Let me ask you, just answer in your heart and mind, what might be these sisters' expectations? What might be these sisters' expectations? They write a letter, they send a messenger to Jesus and saying, hey, my brother is six. What is their expectation? Their expectation is that Jesus would come and heal their brother. That's their expectation. Okay, I'm writing a letter, I'm sending a messenger. Jesus, our brother is sick. Him whom thou lovest is sick. And so my expectation is Jesus is going to show up. Now again, Imagine with me, waiting for Jesus to show up. Imagine your brother's sick, he's nigh unto death, and he's getting more sick. I almost said sicker, that's, that's terrible English. He's getting more sick and more sick and constantly getting worse and worse, and you're just sitting there just waiting. All right, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? When is he going to get here? When is he going to get here? I want you to notice verse 6. When he, being Jesus, had heard that, therefore, that he was sick, notice he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Oh. Now, I can just flat out answer this. When I was a kid and my mother called me, if I waited two seconds, I was in trouble. The best part was my dad and I have the same exact name, right? So she would yell out, John! And we'd both look at each other and say, she wants you. And guess what? Neither one of us would go. That really get, got her really excited very quickly. But see, listen, when you're asking for something, what do you want? You want it done right now, right? I'm not the only one in this, right? Somebody help me out. When you ask for something, you want it done right now. And so when you're asking for your family member to be healed or for Jesus to show up, you're like, okay, where is he? And here Jesus is just staying in the same place. What is he relaxing? What is he doing? The Bible doesn't really tell us what he's doing. However, we know that Jesus stayed in the same place. He had heard the frantic news that him whom thou lovest is sick. And then he waits for two days. Why did Jesus delay? Why didn't he just come heal their brother? I want you to jump down to verse 11. The Bible says this in verse 11, These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. And said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he do well. He sleepeth, leave him alone. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Notice verse 14, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Okay, so you guys are fo hopefully following the story with me. Some of you may know this story, but for those of you who don't, okay? <laughs> Jesus gets news that his friend, his beloved friend, is sick. He waits two days. He waits until he dies. Say what? Why in the world is he waiting for him to die? Look at verse 15. 
And he says this, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Are you kidding me? So now he's let his friend die. He's not been there when he's supposed to be there. And he's rejoicing in the fact that he wasn't there. Man, this Jesus character, whoa, he's something else. But look at the end of the verse. To the intent. What is the intent? To the intent that ye may, notice, believe. You see, Jesus has a purpose. Jesus has something in mind. He's, his purpose was so that they might believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. If you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. The delay was necessary for expanding their faith. Don't miss that, okay? The delay was necessary for expanding their faith. The disciples, Mary, Martha, they knew, they knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus could heal Lazarus. They knew that. Quite frankly, they had just seen Jesus, not not two chapters before, heal a blind man. They, they had seen Jesus do some amazing miracles, some awesome, powerful, magnificent things in his life. And so they had no doubt that, hey, Lazarus is sick, no problem. In fact, hey, just say the word. Just say the word and my brother will be healed. They knew, so they had faith, they had faith in who he was. In fact, go to uh, verse 21, jump down there. John chapter 11, verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. If you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. So she knew that he could heal him. She had faith that he could heal him. The expectation was that Jesus would heal. Jump down to verse 32. Then when Mary, the other sister, was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Are you getting the picture? They had faith. They had an expectation. They had placed this faith. They had placed this expectation in Jesus Christ. Again, this is a wonderful thing to do. But get this. They knew Jesus had the power to heal. Their faith was strong, but Jesus is not satisfied with leaving you where you are. Let me say that one more time. Jesus is not satisfied with leaving you where you are. Jesus is inviting you into a deeper and deeper relationship. He's trying to get you into the deepest part of faith. He's not satisfied with leaving you where you are. The question is this, will you reach out to him? Will you reach out to him and let him lead you into further or into expanding your faith? I have no doubt in my mind that some of you that sit here this morning are going through some extremely difficult things right now. You've spent hours upon hours upon hours in prayer. You've begged God. You've pleaded that he would come and heal your pain or take away your pain. You've been crying painful tears, asking God for you just to be released from this. But God delays. But God delays. 
But God delays and you just don't feel like he's answering your prayer. You're begging, you're, you're pleading, you're giving it as much as you can. You're sweating, if it were, great drops of blood as much as you're just so passionate. You're so anxious about it. You just want God to do something with your life and you just are begging. And he delays. Why is he late? Why doesn't he come? Why isn't he answering my request? Let's just be honest with ourselves this morning. We can often become like the sisters in this story. We can often become like the sisters in this story. Their expectations became a limitation. Their expectations became a limitation. I want you to understand this this morning. Their only expectation or limitation was that Jesus would come and heal their brother. That was their only expectation. Jesus, come and heal Lazarus. Not hard, right? I've laid it all out for you. Here's the blueprint. All you have to do is follow the script. This is all you have to do. This is my expectation. These sisters could only be upset by the fact that Jesus had not healed their brother. And again... It's easy for us to impose upon the text, but I'm just telling you where I would be at. If I had begged and pleaded for Jesus to come and heal my brother, when Jesus shows up, what am I going to say to him? Respectfully, like, why didn't you come? Slight hint of frustration. Right? And you can kind of see this frustration. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Again, that's Maybe not Mary's perspective. Maybe that's not Martha's perspective. But I'm just saying the frustration is easy. The frustration can be seen here. And now, there's no hope for him. He's dead. He's dead. There was nothing that could be done now, Jesus. Thanks a lot for nothing. Thanks for not showing up. Thanks for not accomplishing what we asked in our lives. These sisters could be only upset that Jesus didn't come, but I want you to jump down to verse 37. Some of them said, the crowd around, some of them said, could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died. So I want you to get this. This wasn't just Mary and Martha. This was the crowd of people as well. Man, if Jesus just would have been here. If Jesus just would have been here, could have healed them. But now it's too late. It's too late. The worst has happened. It's terrible. A lot of times we can get our minds wrapped around a specific outcome. A specific way that we believe it's supposed to happen. We could say things like, God, why aren't you doing this particular thing about my job? Why aren't you answering my prayer about my job? I gave you until the end of July, and it's just seven days away now, so you better do something pretty quickly. All right, we, we say things like, like this, God, you must not be real if you're not going to fulfill my timeline. God, you must not love me, you must not care about me if you're not going to answer my prayer. God, how come you haven't answered my prayer about my boyfriend yet? He hasn't asked me out yet. You might, you might think that's silly, but let me, let me just 
clue you into some things. I used to pray that prayer. God, help her to like me. I want her to like me. Liking me. Probably because you're yelling all the time, you loser. We ask these things. God, that person who has wronged me. God, why aren't you healing my family member? God, why aren't you? God, why aren't you? God, why aren't you? God, why aren't you? We have all these expectations. We have specific outcomes revealed. And maybe, quite frankly, you might even sit here today and you don't even think that there's anything that God can do with your current situation anymore. You just think, well, there's nothing that can be done. It's hopeless. You cannot imagine a world where anything good could come out of this situation. Whatever your situation, you've just kind of given up. You've lost all hope. Let me encourage you, don't let the expectation of God become the only limitation you see. Don't let your expectation of God become the only limitation you see. Look at verse 20. The Bible says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Well, look at her next statement. It's quite interesting. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Now, I have no idea what she intended. I didn't know, I have no idea what her expectations are, but we're going to get somewhere with this. Jesus saith unto her in verse 23, thy brother shall rise again. That's wonderful news. Look what she says in verse 24. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Like, yeah, I know that eventually at the last day he's going to rise again. Jesus said unto her, notice this, I love this, I am. Notice, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Verse 27, she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Don't miss this. In our story, Jesus makes an incredible statement. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, though you were dead, yet shall you live. Though if you are alive and you plan on dying, the Bible says you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ, your Lord. If you sit here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior yet, you have never experienced who Jesus Christ is, let me introduce him to you this morning. He's the resurrection. And the life. Just about every one of us has known someone who has died, who has passed from this earth. My grandfather, my grandmother most recently, for me. And I, I look at them and I, I just go, oh man, death is such a terrible thing. But don't forget, Jesus is the resurrection. You see, when my grandparents passed from this earth, the Bible says that they w- woke up, opened their eyes in heaven. Because they knew Jesus Christ 
as their personal Savior. They knew that Jesus Christ was going to die, or had died on the cross for their sins. He knew, they knew that Jesus Christ shed blood, covered their sins, and they believed that. They accepted that. They allowed him to be their personal Savior. So listen, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If you want to know where you're going to go when you pass from this earth, you need to know Jesus. You need to know Jesus. He is the resurrection. He is life. In fact, John chapter 14, in just a few chapters, he says, I am the way, the truth. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way to get to God, the only way to get to heaven is through the resurrection, is through Jesus Christ, but there's far more involved here than salvation. There's far more involved here than just salvation. Jesus makes this incredible statement, I am the resurrection. If you will just believe in me, though you are dead, you can still live. Please don't just roll over that statement. Jesus is not asking you to believe in something that he will do. He is asking you to believe in someone. You see, the reality is often we often believe in the things that God can do. But he's not asking you to believe in something that he can do. He's asking you to believe in someone. He's asking you to trust him. He's asking you to expand your faith and not just look for one simple expectation or one simple limitation. He's looking for you to say, you are almighty God. You are almighty God. You are the resurrection. You are the life. I have no idea what you're going to do, but I know you're going to do something miraculous. This is Martha's statement. Notice again in verse 27. Martha makes a great statement. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. She never says, I believe that you're going to raise my brother. She never says, I believe that you're going to do something miraculous. She just says, I believe in who you are. Write this down if you would, please. It's not a limitation of what, but a concentration on who. It's not a limitation of what, but a concentration on who. I, have, I guarantee you there are people that sit in this room today that have an expectation of what God should do about their current situation. Listen, I think it's great to pray for that. I think it's, it's a step of faith. I'm not trying to denounce that. But God often is not satisfied with where you are. He wants to expand your faith. And expanding your faith means putting your faith and trust in Him. Whatever He will do. Jesus wants you to concentrate on the who. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with today. And I don't know what God's going to do about it. I genuinely don't. I don't know what God's going to do about my situations. But this I do know. That with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. That means rising from the dead is possible. All things are possible with God. Now I want you to jump down all the way down to verse 39. The Bible says this. By the way, I would 
challenge you to go home and read this. We've kind of bounced around a little bit. Read it all the way through as an entire chapter. But look at verse 39. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Watch this. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. What are you doing? Don't open that. That stinks. He's going to stink. What are you doing? So Martha still has her doubts. Martha's still not sure what's going on. Lord, what are you doing? He's been in there four days. I'm pretty sure that by now the aroma is not very pleasant. Verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee, if thou wouldest believe, notice, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Okay? We've gotten you to this point. Don't shut me off yet, okay? Gotten you to this point. Look at that verse again. Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Please don't miss this. There are so many people that stop when their expectations are not met. Don't miss this. There are so many people that stop when their expectations are not met. And they perceive the tardiness of God. Okay, so in this instance, this is what would happen. Mary and Martha come to Jesus and say, you're late. What took you so long? Had you have been here, our brother would not have died. And what happens is then they just walk away from Jesus. Right? Maybe in your situation, you're asking for God to provide you some, some, some anything. Fill in the blank. You're asking for God to provide you for something, and you are expecting it to come in the mail any day now, and it doesn't come. And it doesn't come. And it doesn't come. And it doesn't come. And so your expectation is now squashed. It's killed. So what do you do? You just walk away. Well, I guess God's not going to answer that prayer. I guess not, God's not going to do that. I guess God's not going to perform that for me. And some even go as far as to walk away from God altogether. Say, there must not be a God. God must not be real. God must not love me. And so many different things. Listen, I don't know what you've walked away from, but notice this verse again. If you will believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Notice this, if we will continue, continue to have faith in him, guess what you will see? You will see his glory. We will see his will accomplished. We will see his glory brought forth. Listen, so many of us just quit and we wonder, where is the glory of God? Why can't I see it? Why isn't he working? So many of us just need to buckle down and just say, God, I don't know what you're going to do. Obviously, you don't want to do this. Obviously, you don't want me to have that job. Or obviously, you don't want, to ha ha want me to have that child. Or obviously, you don't want me to have this, that, or the other thing. Listen, but God, you are greater. God, you are far above anything that I could ever ask or think. And I'm telling you, if you will believe, you will see the glory of God in some way. And listen, to this moment, 
to this moment, they still have no idea that Lazarus is coming out of that grave. They have no idea. They can't even fathom it. But if they would have walked away, if they would have walked away, they would have never seen the glory of God rise Lazarus from the dead. I, I believe that Lazarus still would have been risen from the dead. They would have missed it. You see the reality? It's God's will is going to be done one way or another. The question is, are you going to see it or not? The question is, are you going to experience it with him or not? You have to have faith in order to experience this glory of God. Look at verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may, what, believe that thou hast sent me. And when he, he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. The miracle had just been accomplished. And you can read in verse 45, And many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. You see, Jesus' whole goal in raising Lazarus was, from the dead was to expand their faith was to expand their faith and to give glory to God. Lazarus was raised from the dead, something that had never entered their mind. Jesus, again, was able to exceedingly abundant above all that they could ask or think. My challenge to you this morning is simple. Don't let your expectations become limitations. Keep trusting Jesus. Just keep trusting him. You may not know how. You may not know what. You may not know when. But I can guarantee you, you can know who. You can know who. Will you let Jesus continue to expand your faith? Will you quit looking at your circumstance and start looking at him? Quit looking at the waters going on around you, the storm that's taking place, and just keep your eyes on him. Keep reaching out to him. Concentrate on him. Don't concentrate on your expectations of him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do for us. Father, it's our privilege to study your word. It's our privilege to be able to understand it. Father, if there's one here that does not know you as personal savior, they've never accepted you. They've never noticed their need of a Savior. Father, I pray that today they would have a conversation with us and we would be able to show them from the Bible Jesus Christ, Savior. Father, for the rest, I pray that today you would just expand, increase our faith a little bit more today. Father, maybe you're delaying just to continue to increase our faith. Maybe you're not answering it in that way so that you can answer it in a greater way. 
Father, we have no idea what you will do, but we know you will work all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. It may not be what we imagine. It may not be in our lifetime. Father, help us not to judge you by our lifetime. Help us to trust you. Help us to see who you are and what you can do. Father, we'll give you the honor, the praise, and the glory for it. We pray all these things in your name.